0: This morning, we're going to be diving into Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So you can go ahead and turn there if you'd like. But over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at this same passage. And we've been looking at different characteristics of kingdom people. Two weeks ago, we saw that kingdom people have the same allegiance in Christ because they have the same affection of Christ. And then last week, we saw that kingdom people worship. And kingdom people pray. And we saw that worship isn't um, created or conjured. It's an involuntary response to being in awe of God. And I feel like this morning was a perfect example of what real worship because you're in awe of God looks like. But this morning, looking at that same passage in Acts chapter 2, we're going to see the truth that kingdom people are generous. Kingdom people are generous. And I think one of the biggest telltale signs that humans, that men are corrupted by sin is in children and generosity. Um, me and Liz don't have any kids and we don't have any on the way that I know of, but uh, we've been around kids. So whether you have kids or whether you don't, if you've been around kids, I'm sure you've heard this two word statement come out of someone's mouth at a sibling or a friend uh, in some sort of scream or yell or cry, you know, I, I don't know, something like that. That's mine. Phil Reagan, that's mine. Riley, that's mine. I just say that because I'm around Justin's kids more than anyone else. But that's mine. It belongs to me. And I think that's revealing of a really deep heart, heart issue that men is always going to be focused on himself. The natural heart of man wants to focus on himself. So when I say kingdom people are generous, I'm not talking about moral goodism that your parents taught you. I'm talking kingdom people who have been changed by God. Their heart has been transformed to worry more about others than themselves. And as we read Acts 2 verses 42 through 47, I want to challenge you to examine how faithful these new Christians were to being generous, to giving themselves away for the sake of the gospel and others. I'll pick up in verse 42, but if you would with me stand to honor God's word. Um, We do this because we want to signify with our bodies that this is the most valuable thing that will be spoken this morning. Pick it up in verse 42. Scripture says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for this time that we've had in worship, God. I pray that as we look at this word, as we look at the reality that kingdom people are generous, um, you would teach us this morning from the scriptures, God. I would be a vessel and we would all leave here edified to be selfless people who are living for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When it comes to generosity... Different people have different ideas and definitions about exactly what generosity is. You could go to Google or Yahoo or Bing or Dictionary.com or even Wikipedia would probably have a decent answer. But when we look at the church in Acts, what we see is that the church modeled generosity by giving away what they had in order to give to others all that they needed. The church modeled generosity by giving away what they had in order to give to others all that they needed. This may make your heart drop a little or your stomach sink, and it may seem pretty radical, but that's because it is extremely radical. And the premise of this whole message, and really this whole sermon series through the book of Acts, is that the church was able to live this way because their treasure was no longer in the things of this world. It was in their kingdom and their king. And they knew that this kingdom and that this King Jesus was way better and much greater than any treasure the world had to offer. Let me remind you of the context of this passage in Acts chapter 2. So, we've just seen, before this is happening, Peter preach an incredible message for sending the gospel. And 3,000 people have just become followers of Christ. And in verses 42 through 47 we see an explanation of what these 3,000 people are doing. So to put it in linear, simple order, these people, these 3,000 souls have felt the guilt of their sin, felt God's grace in the gospel, and they're now giving away the treasures of the earth because they found the only real treasure that matters, Christ. And if we look at the example of these believers, not just in Acts chapter 2, but throughout the rest of Acts, We see three big ways that kingdom people show their generosity. The first is that kingdom people give impartially. Kingdom people give impartially. Now, before we look at the scripture or any heavy situation going on in our society today, I want to give you a story that I hope will warm your heart. Now, I apologize in advance because even though Justin isn't the one preaching, you're not going to escape a cute story about his kids. Recently, our families were at the beach together. And if you know anything about my dad, you know that he's an old man in a semi-old man's body. (laughs) But he loves looking for cool seashells, and Justin's girls loved it too. And uh, specifically Reagan. And as as they're getting seashells and bringing them back to us to show us before they drop them in the bucket, I kid you not, if Reagan brought back 20 shells... All 20 of them were broken or chipped or cracked or had some sort of hole in them. And when I asked her um, why she was bringing broken ones and not pretty ones, sweet little Reagan blew my mind. She said, the broken ones are the ones that need me to love them the most. That, that, my jaw dropped. Like, I don't, I don't understand how a little girl, I was not expecting anything near that. Everyone, almost everyone on the planet when they look for seashells, they're going to be finding the ones that are perfect or the, the really, really good ones. But sweet little Reagan didn't discriminate. She was completely impartial. And she actually prioritized the ones that needed her love the most. And while Reagan did this with seashells, we see glimpses of this being done with people right here in Acts. In verse 45, Scripture says... That the church were distributing the proceeds of everything they sold to all as any had need. To all as any had need. And to make a long story short, they did not discriminate. And the reason behind this is because they didn't see someone as a different ethnicity or race primarily. Their primary view of someone was a soul who was created in the image of God. Even as Luke writes the book of Acts, we see that priority come to light. Verse 41 says, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about three thousand souls. Verse 43 says, and all came upon every soul. We see from the scripture that the church, these people prioritize the fact that they were souls created in the image of God. And that's why they loved impartially. Because all were equally, uh, all were equal, and all mattered. And the root of their giving was love for the people they were giving to. If we look at um, love like a fountain, um, the bottom layer. So, so, so we said the very bottom layer is generosity. The layer above that is love for people. The layer above that is love for God, and the layer above that is love from God. And as, fountain, or as water shoots out the top of that fountain and lands in love from God, we can then have love for God as we feel that love from God. And as we feel love from God, we can then have love for others. And as we love others, we can then give generously to others because we love them. And the early church modeled plain as day that if generosity is the fruit, then love is the root. And church, we're in a time today where our country is literally divided. You can't get on any social media outlet or or any website without hearing someone call someone else cruel or racist or dumb or a lot of words that I shouldn't say. And the fact of the matter is that that people are partial and we're seeing the heart of man come out in partial people today. And our nation is being deceived into, the, into thinking that force and division and darkness and hate is going to cure what's happening. is going to create unity and peace. But we know the only thing that brings unity, the only thing that brings peace is light. Specifically the light of the gospel in Christ and church. We have been tasked with going to the world with the impartial love of Christ. In Acts chapter 10, Peter has a vision. And in this vision, Peter sees a sheet full of animals, reptiles and birds descending from heaven. And he's told by God to kill and to eat three different times. And Peter says, no, because these animals are unclean and they're common. And then God responds and says, what I have made clean, do not call common. Then as Peter is trying to determine what this means, he's called by some Gentiles. And to give some context, up until this point, the the world was divided into two groups of people. The Jews, who were the people of God, and the Gentiles, who weren't. And and it was as simple as that. The Jews didn't go to the Gentiles most of the time. That was very rare. And if you look at the Old Testament, that's primarily what you see. But as, as he's called by the Gentiles, Peter then understands He understands that he's not in a seat or position to determine who is allowed to have the gospel or or who's worthy of hearing the gospel. And in verse 28, Scripture says, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit any one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Then after Peter says this, he preaches the gospel and these Gentiles come to faith in Christ. Peter was able to give radical love and grace to people he would have once rejected because he's been given the radical love and grace of Christ as someone who deserves to be rejected. I'll say that again because there's a lot in that statement. Peter was able to give radical love and grace to people he would have once rejected because he's been given the radical love and grace as someone who deserves to be rejected. King Jesus doesn't have to come to us. He didn't have to die for us. He died when we didn't deserve it. Peter knows that. So he can give the gospel, give himself away impartially to people who he thought he should reject. Peter's experienced the love of Christ, and so now he's able to give the love of Christ. And here's the truth for us today. Kingdom people, us as a church, kingdom people can show radical, impartial love because they've experienced the radical, impartial love of their king. We can show love because we've experienced the ultimate love of Christ. And that's how kingdom people give impartially. The second way we see kingdom people modeling generosity in the book of Acts is kingdom people give their belongings. Kingdom people give their belongings. In verse 45 right here, plain as day, the scripture says they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds. They were selling it and giving it. And when we look past just this one verse, we can actually see examples throughout the whole book of Acts. One of the more popular examples um, of someone not doing this can be found in chapter five, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. But before we look at that, I want to read a few verses before in chapter four that give a great comparison between the heart of a kingdom person and the heart of a self-centered person. So if you'll just turn over a page or two to Acts chapter four. We're going to start in verse 32 and read through chapter five, verse six. Here's what the scripture says. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. So there's a lot that happens in these few verses. um, But when we go back to the beginning and look at the beginning where we started in chapter 4, we see in verses 32 through 35. Almost a word-for-word account of what is happening in Acts chapter 2. I don't know if you called it. Scripture says the people are of one heart and one soul. No one says that anything was their own, and they had everything in common. The apostles are teaching about the resurrection of Christ, and they're experiencing the grace of the Lord. And no one is needy because everyone was selling their possessions and giving it to the people who needed it most. Then in verses 36 through 37, we see an example of a kingdom person, Barnabas, who is living for his king. And scripture says that he sold a field and laid all the money at the apostles feet. Then there's a comparison that starts in chapter five. It says, but a man named Ananias. We see a story of two people, Ananias and Sapphira, who are the complete opposite of Barnabas. You see, Ananias and Sapphira sell their land just like Barnabas did. But they decided to keep some of the proceeds back for themselves. And when they lay the money at the apostles feet, Peter asks why Satan has filled their heart to lie. And then they both are struck dead on the spot, carried out, and we don't hear about them again. But here's the crazy part. Ananias and Sapphira aren't simply killed because they lied or or aren't killed because they didn't give it all. It's much deeper than this. You see, they see all of this radical sacrificial generosity where people are giving everything, and they say, I want to be noticed for that too. In verse 4, Peter explains, he says, It's your property, and even after you sold it, the money was at your disposal. You could have done what you wanted with it. It's not that they were required to give it all. Peter didn't rebuke Ananias because he didn't give it all. He rebuked Ananias because he pretended that he did for his own glory. And that's the difference between Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. Barnabas gave because he had all he needed in King Jesus. And Ananias and Sapphira gave because they wanted to get something out of it for themselves. And here's the premise of giving your belongings as kingdom people. Kingdom people don't give to get. Kingdom people give because they have all they need in their king. There's a lot of televangelists out there or or preachers you'll listen to that'll say you give a hundred and you'll get back a thousand. And I I pray that you never hear that here because that is not the gospel. That's the opposite of the gospel. The gospel doesn't say give so you can get more. The gospel says give because you don't need it because you have a king. I'm not giving the get. I'm giving because I have Christ. Now, nowhere in scripture will you find an imperative or demand that says to sell everything you have. Remember, the book of Acts is primarily descriptive. It's telling us a story, not prescriptive, telling us what to do. But don't check out because I say that. In fact, if you're being tempted to check out right now and say, oh, good, I don't have to give. You're probably the person that needs to hear this the most. We aren't demanded to go sell all that we have, but we are allowed to go sell all that we have. We're allowed to to show the same generosity to others that God has shown to us. Like I talked about earlier, kingdom people don't give out of moral goodism. They give out of a transformed heart. And if your heart has been transformed to prioritize the king, then your heart is going to prioritize others. Give things away for others. Give your stuff. Give your money to and for others. So if Christ really is your king, even if it's not a demand, you should want to give your belongings away for the sake of others. There's a cliche statement that people love to make that money can never satisfy. And even though it's cliche, um, it is one of the most true statements that people refuse to believe. I remember seeing Tom Brady, who is, in my opinion, the best quarterback of all time, after he won his fifth Super Bowl. He was in an interview, and they asked him how he felt, and he he said, astonishingly, no smile, it doesn't feel like this is all that's to my life. Like, I'm not satisfied in this stuff. He's five Super Bowl rings, a beautiful family, the job of a lifetime, millions and millions of dollars. His resume is insane, and he, in essence, says, This doesn't satisfy my soul. And I say this to point to the truth that if I can be blunt, if you're chasing money, if you're chasing the things of the world or chasing anything other than Jesus, you are wasting your time and you're wasting your life. If you're experiencing the fulfillment and satisfaction of King Jesus, there is no need to cling to anything else in the world. Nothing is valuable. If I'm holding on to Jesus, clinging to him, I don't want anything else because he's all I need. And I know that. Kingdom people give their belongings. Because they don't need them because they have a king. The third way that kingdom people model generosity is that kingdom people give their lives. When I say this, I don't mean give their lives in the sense of dying, even though many did. Talking about how kingdom people completely surrender and give their lives to Christ and to others. In verse 44 of chapter 2, the scripture says that all who believed were together and had all things in common. Just imagine this exact scenario here. Remember, there's over 3000 people together with all things in common. It would be almost impossible to find three, 30, even three people today who are together and have all things in common. Everybody's so different. Everybody's so opinionated. Everybody's got their own ways. And when you think about it, there are 3,000 people. Not, not, not only are they 3,000 people, but they're all different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different races. They even speak different languages from one another, but they're all together. And they have all things in common. How is that possible? It's possible because once these people met Christ, there was nothing they weren't willing to sacrifice for the sake of others. And for the the sake of unity with his church. And for the sake of giving the gospel to others. Kingdom people forsake everything they were in order to embrace everything they are in Christ. In Acts chapter 17, we see a beautiful Example of this, Paul and Silas are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus to the people in Thessalonica. And as Paul paints a beautiful picture of the gospel, many of those Thessalonians come to faith in Christ. But there are other jealous Jews who are there who get upset and create an uproar and form a mob. And this mob goes and drags Jason, who was the guy who received and was housing the disciples, he drags him and some other brothers, some other disciples, out of his house. And this is what the mob says in Acts 17, verse 6. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. If what we see here is men who are literally turning the world upside down. I mean, I guess not not literally, but um, I don't know about you, but I want to be described by people as someone who had such an impact for the gospel of Christ that I literally was turning the world on its head, having such an impact that the world doesn't even look like the world anymore. But when we investigate the reason of why or how the apostles, how Paul and the brothers are all doing this, the Jews give us the answer to that question as well. They say these apostles are acting against the decrees of Caesar. Here it is saying there is another king, Jesus. Now, again, this is descriptive, not prescriptive, and I'm not advocating that we go try to overthrow our government, but try to imagine this situation. The apostles have met Jesus. They've been with Jesus. They know Jesus. And the government says they aren't allowed to live for him because Caesar is king. So they have to choose. They have to choose between forsaking everything they've ever known, forsaking their freedom and their government, or forsaking King Jesus and losing the opportunity to give the gospel to the world. And we know because of where we are today that that they chose to forsake everything else to live for Christ. Because they know Jesus, because of this new king, they forsake what they once were and obeyed and give up their lives in order to embrace their new king, Jesus. These men gave away everything of themselves in order to give the gospel to others. To give the grace of Christ. And to give the hope of Christ. And church, we are called to give ourselves away so the Lord can use us in the lives of others. However he sees fit. That is generosity. But how on earth can we do this? How can we give ourselves away like that? We can give ourselves away for others because Christ gave himself away for us. It's as simple as that. We can give ourselves away for others because Christ gave himself away for us. Think about that. The most remarkable scenario of giving in the history of humanity is the example of Jesus. Who scripture says gave his life as a ransom for many. He sacrificed what he wanted in order to give us the thing we need most. And if it isn't for the gracious gift of the Lord, every single one of us are condemned to hell. There's no way. That's our fuel. That's the reason we can say I'm giving myself away because Christ gave himself away for me. Giving, whether it is in your stuff or in your time or in your views or even your life, must be fueled by the truth that we are kingdom People, And you have a king who modeled generosity and giving in a way that no other person is even capable of doing. And we can be generous. We can give ourselves away because this Jesus, because this king has all of our affection. And we don't have to cling to anything we have here because we have all we need in him. However, I do believe there are people here today who still tremble at the thought of giving themselves or their stuff away. People who, like Ananias and Sapphira, don't want to give because Jesus is their king. They want to give because they're their own king and they want to be seen or they want something in return. And I don't want to ignore or neglect any of those people this morning. The truth is, just because you're in here, just because you're in the church building does not mean that Jesus is your king. But the reality is, the truth is, me and you are both sinners. And we've sinned against a holy God, so we deserve the same end as Ananias and Sapphira. Death and hell. But out of God's great love for us, He gave Christ to be the propitiation for our sins and he died. And like Paul proclaimed in Acts 17, he rose from the grave. And this Jesus is the only person we can turn to. This Jesus is the only one capable of saving us. This Jesus is the only one worthy of our praise and affection. And whoever you are today, whether your dad was a pastor or you've never been in a church until right now, the gospel is for you. That's right. Jesus was impartial and he gave it all and died so you could receive eternal life and live. That's such a beautiful truth this morning that should fill all of us, all of us to give ourselves away to others because Christ gave himself away for us. And as we talked about generosity this morning, I want to give you two action steps to take the moment I stop speaking. Number one, look to Christ. Look to Christ. No matter who you are, you must look to Christ. If you aren't a Christian, then look to Christ as the lamb who was slain to save your soul and commit yourself to following him. If you are a Christian, then look to Christ as the reigning lion and let gratitude swell your heart. He's the one who's given all so richly for us. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine says that even though Christ was rich, he became poor so that by his poverty, we might become rich in him. Church, he has given us radical, radical love and generosity. As you experience that radical love and generosity this morning, I want to encourage you to worship your king. Worship Christ. Second action step, be generous. Be generous. As we look to Christ, we should be compelled as kingdom people to be generous and give in such a way that shows that Christ is our treasure. To give impartially to anyone in need. To give our belongings, to give our money, and to give our lives. Not to get something in return, but because we have all we need in Christ. Be generous for the glory of God, for the joy of the saints, and for the salvation of the lost. Looking to Christ our King the ultimate giver.